there and some mischief. And uh, you weren't uh, the most popular girl in some of those those years. And then we'll go into one of your favourite bits of music. And I know we've got one or two questions coming in for you from your friends and colleagues at Kind of Sound. So um, tell us about those those early years, Shelley. Mm, okay, the early years growing up. I was subject to many different school experiences, practically nine, ten, almost as many as there were school years because our family moved around a hang of a lot um, before my parents got divorced and after they got divorced. And so we moved around the country as well. I always felt like a complete dunce at school because I did not have um, an ability to learn and regurgitate. Is that to make you a doffies, is it? There we go. So you could say from your two perspectives, that might be where doffydom started. (laughs) We don't quite know, but yes, doffy from the early school years. However, um, it was discovered, this is not really an excuse, but that there were some kind of spatial development issues that I had, which didn't help the learning. So in other words, I had problems riding a bicycle and I had problems with the fine motor development skills, knitting and sewing. I used to forge my mother's signature so I could write absentee notes to get out of those classes because it was just painful being like four classes behind the rest of the class. So um, school was not a pleasant experience for me, whichever one I was at. It was horrible. But what was wonderful was the social aspect. And I always had a lot of friends at school, at the various schools. But of course, some of them I I wasn't at for long enough to make friends. And so there was this stop-start, you know, traumatic endings to friendships before they had a chance to bloom. Because that was my main um, purpose for being at school, to socialize (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and not to learn. Um, Yes, all this made me one of eventually one of the naughtiest girls in my junior school because um, myself and the other naughtiest girl in school um, became quite good friends. And uh, I remember in grade seven, the school principal announced, I I regret to inform the school that there'll be just two girls who will not be going to camp, which everybody had been looking forward to the whole year. And I just knew my name was one of them. Yeah. Art sunk. And yes, there it was. <laughs> and Shelley Kim Gold will not be going. They will be doing punishment duty in the school. And so that was absolutely devastating for me. Yeah. Um, so it was the company I chose to keep. I You've guess. never been a conformist, Shelley, have you? You've never been a conformist. No, no, no. That wouldn't describe me. Someone very special in your life was, was your grandmother. Yeah. Yes. My, my granny was my ally in life. She died in 2012. She was 96. And um, in between my traveling years, even my turbulent teenage years, I would run away from home and go and stay with her. Or my cousin, uh, but often to her. And she would shield me for a while um, and then in between the traveling years in my 20s, I would always be running back to her place, uh, staying with her between travels. But that's just getting ahead for a little bit. So, yes, she was an amazing woman, 
always had something positive and uplifting to say about everybody. She just had that, what I call a solar spirit. Mm. Did you, did you, did you, did you leave school with a, with a doffy degree or anything? What did you <laughs> No, I, I eventually had to, for the last two years of our schooling here in South Africa, had to do a combined matric or grade 12 with a secretarial kind of secretarial subjects in order to graduate grade 12, which we call matric here, um, with some easy subjects because I had failed a couple of years as well, had to repeat and that was just devastating and there was no ways I was gonna repeat a third failed year at school. So um, I didn't, I combined, I got my, my, I graduated from grade 12 and then I went on to find work immediately um, and found jobs that would support me through my 20s. Um, I will, basically, I, I found two very... Uh, you don't jump the gun, don't jump the gun. Yeah, you no, the, the 20s are the best years yet. Yeah, we're going to save those for after this piece of music. Joe, is there a question coming for Shelley at all before the music? Yeah, there's plenty of questions. Plenty, plenty of questions. Why don't we start with uh, with uh, maybe Jackie, Jackie and David? Let's see. I've set it up in such a way that I can play it through. I just don't want to earn any Doffy points here, so let me just get it. <laughs> Forget this, hey, right? I'm in the limelight there. Right, hey? right. Uh, yeah, sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to focus too much Dorfi on me. So hang on. Um, let's let's see if you can hear this. This is from Jackie and, and David. Let's see if this plays. Um, right. Hi, Shelley. Jackie and David here. We'd like to know what you'd like to be remembered most for in your life. <laughs> All right, the, the, so the public, everybody listening in could hear it, but you guys couldn't hear it, right? So I'm going to have to give it to Translate. you. Let's, let's see if we can do it like this. Um, let's see if you can hear this. I'll put my phone nice and loud, and we'll play it like this. Hi, Shelley. Jackie and David here. We'd like to know what you'd like to be remembered most for in your life. I would like to be remembered for having lived my purpose and having lived the will of God because that's when I will be shining <laughs> at my most potent. That hasn't happened yet. That is a beautiful answer and I think it's probably a very good place to play your first choice of song which is called Believer because you're a better believer, Chili. <laughs> How did he keep Shelley quiet? He did well there. We still live. <laughs> Love reveals just who we are. But in our fear, we may lose out on our star. Love brings us closer. While fear tears us apart Love sets us free But our fear will keep us frozen But ooh, ooh, I'm a believer ooh, 
And we're back in the Spanish Inquisition with Shelly Kim Gold in studio, one of our beautiful team members who has been presenting with Kind of Sound Radio for some months now already, producing top-notch stuff, which we have so much enjoyed. But today is our, our turn to ask Shelly some questions and um, get to know her better. So, Shelly, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, this is kind of something which... I think you also, many people probably, but also specifically you will will relate to this as well. Um, I know the CIA plays a very important <laughs> part in this question, possibly. Um, but my question is, when something causes Zoom or an electronic device not to work properly, how does one discern what caused the problem between interference by dark forces or techno-doffiness? <laughs> Excellent question. <laughs> yes, that is a question I've asked myself often. <laughs> often. Yes. Mostly because I have extremely peculiar experiences with technology. However, I am extremely grateful to find a whole load of other people who have equally peculiar and weird experiences. Okay, not only with technology, but with all sorts of things, including technology. How do I know? How can I discern the difference, me personally, not you or anybody else, is because I go to my what I call my inner tell, my inner intelligence. And there I get a sense. It's a sense across a sense. all my auric field, my bodies, we all have these bodies, emotional, mental, psychic, spiritual bodies, and I get a sense, yup, interference, or nope, doffy. Sometimes there's confusion, and if there's confusion, I walk away and I go outside and I do something else, and then I ask again. Um, the answer comes to me usually pretty quickly. Huh. So it's, there's no that's sense, me. that's almost like a guarantee that was the techno doffy, doffiness, hey? There's no sense. There's no sense. Well, yeah, there's obviously a sense because if it's not interference, then it is techno doffy <laughs> at work. <Yeah>. Obviously. <laughs> it's not the one. <laughs> it seems to happen more frequently with, with, uh, with us than anybody else, though, doesn't it, uh, Shirley? Well, no, that's why I'm saying, you know, you would think that um, you would start blaming yourself and saying, why can't I get this right? Why not? But actually, that is just not true. And once you've um, had conversations with a lot of other people out there who've been interfered with, yeah, you'll know and see and take comfort that there's a, a huge and very large group on this planet who have, in the millions, who have been interfered with in many ways. This is just one. Yeah. Ah, thanks. thanks very much, Shelley. Well answered. Very well answered. You're not a, not a crisis girl um, um, at all, Shelley, and, and you do like a bit of singing and dancing. I've got your cat here at the moment, but what do you sing and dance to at home? What's your favourite music? What lifts you up? <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you for a few bars of that now. I'm a disco drucker, as we call it. Show <laughs> <laughs> <Don't> translate. <laughs> what? I like disco. I like funk. I like 
Afro soul, Afro jazz. Yeah, those are my kind of genres of first interest. And when I'm really inspired, one of my favorite songs for booging too is I played every Sunday night almost on my other on my other station that I volunteer on, which is Dr. Alban's Hallelujah. Because I say, what's a Sunday without a little bit of singing hallelujah? And if I'm really inspired, I'll grab one of my five cats who interpret it as torture because you need to <laughs> Cats don't take easy to that. <laughs> Give us a couple of bars of that because there's a lot of hallelujahs around in this world. <laughs> so what's hallelujah to you? Oh, celebration. It's pure it's celebration. It, celebration. How's it go, How's it go Shelley? Yeah, I'm you trying to get but... me to sing on air. Oh, I'll be a cat. Yeah, meow. Yeah. You go. You, he gives a hallelujah. Okay, I don't sing. Okay, but sing hallelujah. Sing it. Sing hallelujah. I thought some of you might be able to put something together for us. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah, the quietest girl on the block. There's no question about that. Shall um, I fire away with a question from 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 yeah. Juliet and and and, and 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 Charles maybe? Yeah. Okay, let's. I'm gonna bring it closer to the mic again because this seems to be the only way to do it. Volume up. Right, let's go. Shelley Kim. It's Giles here. I'd like to know, where does your golden compass come from? Ah, there, now we have it. Um, Joe and I, in one of our earliest conversations, when I first arrived, <clears throat> excuse me, at KS, we were um, uh, chatting about um, concepts and ideas and I was putting mine forward for shows and then I mentioned direction and then I'm not sure who coined it first or maybe both of us at the same time I can't remember <laughs> I remember that yeah you don't? but yeah. one of us did I <laughs> thought it was a great idea mm -hmm. and that's where where it arose mm. yeah mm. Excellent. And that's yeah, and now Giles has done a beautiful little um, golden beautiful. compass twinkle. Let me quickly play it for everybody. Here it goes. This is what Giles put together for, for Shelley. Well, I've played it already, but here we go. Golden compass in a world of change. <laughs> okay, so you two couldn't hear it, but the rest could. And then mm -hmm. from Juliet is the next one. Hi, Shelley. This is Juliet here. My question for you today is, what is your underlying motivation for all the amazing work that you do? What is that thing that, that drives you to do what you do? Thanks, Juliet. And also thank you previously, Giles, um, for your comment, your question. Juliet, um, everything that drives me in life since I was 21 and I had a particularly, I had a particular uh, spiritual high dimensional experience, from that day on, I was driven to bring upliftment in the form of light and service to everybody and anybody in any and all situations that I could and can. 
that has taken has expanded quite a lot since then but yeah that that is my motivation for everything i i do and think about mm. and i want to pick you up now um shelly and uh, let's move on to your your 20s because you've got uh, quite a colorful life that starts in the 20s and you got the inspiration to travel i think from your grandmother who was very much in many ways your mother and uh, she wanted to go on journeys she wanted to see the world and the invitation came but she never took that but you took it you carried the banner for her so and don't cut us short on this um Shelley, because we shared it um the other evening and it's it's a fascinating journey you, you you made and you told me your time in jordan and then on to to egypt and i'd love to hear more and i'll be entertaining for us all to listen to that so that long girl give us it Right. So yes, my grand did promise me since I was a very little girl a trip overseas with her that never came to pass over many years and then when I was 18 I was devastated and realized I'd have to work and save up myself. So I sold my first little car, a little 1976 mini and um got myself a one-way ticket arrived in the uh Israel. That was my first my first country and um and then learned the art of backpacking with other solo travelers made my way to the UK um in over a period of 7 years during my 20s i traveled through 43 countries um in most countries i would spend probably a minimum of 3 to 4 months because anything less didn't justify the experience of really getting into the culture in most countries i would spend a minimal amount of time in the capital cities and just for the purposes of getting visas and businesses also just learning the basic ropes of the culture and um what was expected of me that i could blend in and um not ruffle too many feathers um although that didn't compromise the way i was traveling um in china they had just opened up to foreign travelers at that time four months in china didn't even cover the tip of the iceberg of that enormous country i arrived in china via the trans siberian express which is the world's longest train journey and i took um a russian train from I took a train from Hungary to Hungary to Moscow and then from Moscow it was all the way across to Beijing via the Urals via Siberia it was the most sensational journey of my train journey of my life because we were literally going through a different time zone every single day different terrain vegetation saw the most magnificent things all alone yeah alone but with other solo travelers i shared my compartment with a scandinavian couple there were people from every every country just about um i was just extremely upset when we arrived in siberia at siberia's capital ulanbator because at that point siberia was still banned from foreign travelers and so nobody was allowed to do more than just um exit onto the platform maybe just to use the toilets but you couldn't get beyond 
the red guards who would block your pathway by crossing their guns. So you couldn't go beyond that. Yet still two of the guys I was on the train with um, deliberately, accidentally took their backpacks on themselves and accidentally, deliberately missed the train. And um, I was besides myself with anger. I was so angry that they didn't take me <laughs> with them. Um, <clears throat> and uh, when we all arrived in Beijing a few days later, <laughs> I bumped into them. And I was so happy to hear that even though five days had passed in which they had had to wait for the next train coming through, they had been frog-marched off by the authorities to some house with its tinted windows. They couldn't do anything, and it was there they had to stay until the next train came through the city. <laughs> so I didn't miss out. <laughs> that was a big deal for me in my travel days, missing out. <laughs> so the journey goes on, and you, you were doing it in blocks. You, you were doing blocks of tours and going home to earn some money to fund your next block. And that was a cycle for sort of a decade, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, less than a decade, but yes, more or less like that. So if I was in the Western part of the world, then um, I was traveling on a British passport. I would work either in, I worked in Southampton then, I worked in London, I worked in and lived in Scotland. Um, I would usually take on a number of jobs, morning, noon and night, and I'd kind of do what I had to do to save up enough over a three-month period, I wouldn't stay longer than three months anywhere. Um, and then I'd have enough money to travel third-world countries on relative, I'd say not relative ease, but um, enough to get around to survive. Uh, I was by no means living um, any kind of a high life. I was, it was mostly cheap pensions and it was youth hostels. And of course, those are the places you wanted to be because that's where you met the real travelers and you were able to exchange amazing information off the beaten track kind of stuff, places to go, things to see, buried little treasures of all sorts. And um, you would never be able to access that sort of information with uh, tourist information centers. So, you must have had some interesting romances on the way, Shirley. You must have had some, probably you don't want to discuss some of them, but I'm sure you've got some stories to tell. And I know there's one in, um, particularly one in Egypt, but I'm sure we'll come on to that at some point. Um, okay. So don't, want, don't want to spare you from that one. Is that also Anyways, maybe why she, why she selected uh, Sowing the Seeds of Love as a song, the next song for her, Tears for Fears? <laughs> okay, um, are, we, are you going to play the next song or do you want no, to? No, 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 it's, it's in the wings, but when you're ready for it, but um, no, go, go ahead. Why did you choose that, you choose that one, Michelle? Um, because if you listen to those lyrics, and that was before, lead singer, I forget his name, but before they got hijacked, or maybe it was just after they got hijacked, I don't know. Their lyrics remain absolutely profound, and whoever wrote those lyrics, if it wasn't him, saw what the answer, the answer that we all are looking for on this planet, whether we know it or not, that feel the feelings and which takes you closer to feeling the love that we all are, never mind what's happening out there when he says politician granny, you know, referring to Thatcher, I guess, in those days. Um, he talked a little bit about protesting, 
but he talked mainly about what the answer to all the conflict and division, the politics and everything else is, and that's love. Yeah, I know we're ahead of our time. I'm sure we're going to touch on that if we don't run out of time, but I know you've got some strong views on all that. I don't quite know how you keep so motivated because um, you're an in-depth investigator and uh, I'm sure we'll come into that later. But yeah, so let's play that song for you. Yeah, be great. Yeah, here we go. Okay, so, um, there's a question that came here. Are we on? Are we doing song now? Yeah, you, let's quickly listen to to that song, and then when we're back, this I've got a a whole list of questions here. Some more's just come in as well, so we got to get firing on those questions. But here is sowing the seeds of love, tears for fears. Yeah, I knew we need two hours. Up. Is it gonna be some money shoes? One of these days they're gonna hunt 
And we are back after the beautiful song about tears for fear, sowing the seeds of love. Shelly Kim Gold in the hot seat today, and she's about to embark on some of her Egyptian adventures. Shelly? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a love-hate relationship for me when I arrived in Egypt. Um, I adored it. Um, I picked up Arabic. No, don't ask me to to remember any words or phrases, but I remember picking Arabic up faster almost than any other language, which confounded me. Um, to cut a long story short, I, I'm in love with deserts. I have a thing about deserts because I can feel things in the seeming nothingness of mm. them. There are invisible worlds and energies in deserts. And so I had a mission. My personal mission was to get to all four of Egypt's oases towns and villages um and i did i did uh, i even spent a couple of nights out of the smallest outside the smallest village called farafra um sleeping under a palm tree because i wanted to be close to the stars and away from the village lights and unrolling my sleeping bag on the beautiful golden dunes oh it was beautiful i wasn't quite prepared for being disturbed like every half an hour by a village man wanting you know what so can't be rude on air i guess um <laughs> but um i i had a very um lovely colored deep auburny red hair and um pale skin and so yeah that kind of a woman traveling alone in egypt then or even now actually and especially in a village community traditional values etc etc was just unusual um, yeah, so I didn't want the friend that had kind of been guiding me through the day to, to be there, but um, he and his family were on call should anything untoward happen. Anyway, I managed to get through that night. It wasn't as pleasant as I hoped because um, I was disturbed most of the night, so I hardly slept. But th those were the sort of things I loved doing. And that village family also took me to a gorgeous natural hot water spring in the middle of the desert, extremely hot, more than 40 degrees um, Celsius. Uh, but those were the sort of finds and amazing experiences that I had. I lived with um, Nubian people who are darker skin, sort of uh, closer to Sudan in the south area, southern area of Egypt. Um, and that was also wonderful, learning about their culture. Then I met a man who, in the middle of um, a very traditional agricultural small town, a crossroads for a bit of a marketplace, you could say. And this man and I, he was probably <clears throat> one of, if not the town's most popular and most loved surgeon. And um, <clears throat> he invited me to stay in his surgery, which already um, for his male nurse was absolutely disgusting because in Egypt, being staying together, uh, an Egyptian national and a person of the opposite sex is almost equivalent to the greatest crime you could imagine. So we went along, I stayed there for a while, and um, one night 
the door was broken down to the surgery because we had the rooms at the back of the surgery. That's where we stayed. Um, I knew this nurse didn't like me at all. And one night, the front door was broken down. It was the police, including the tourist police, because they hoped that by catching us in the act of sex in Egypt, would that would automatically guarantee us of me and um, my boyfriend of being immediately imprisoned. They didn't catch us in the act, but we were arrested until the next day. Passport taken away. Then I was given my passport back with the promise that I had to check in every few days to the local police station. And all this was going somewhere. While the passport had been taken away, it was all going to the place where he and I would have to appear before a people's court, a court case, to plead our innocence. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a little bit, yeah, you've shortened that a little bit. That's very kind of you, Shelley. Was there not an incident also where at one point you were up for in the marketplace for sale? Um, there was, a, there was a, a, a value put on your head and uh, um, you get quite sold. There's a story about that too. And a, yeah. a, scooter rider, a, a scooter ride across country. I'm just wondering quickly if we, while she was speaking about um, her boyfriend and all that, there's a question. There was there were two questions that came in from him. Can can we go before we move on and just get to that quickly? Uh So that was uh, here we go. It's the first one. Get this volume up again. All right, it's all manual now. It's all manual. One day you hold my hand, close your eyes, and read my future. It was almost true. Do you still do the same? Uh oh, <laughs> outing me on air. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. Um, I can feel things and see things. I think everybody has their own intuitive gifts at work in different arenas of their life for them. And I have my own as well. How about that? <laughs> well, let's see how the second question goes, Shelley, because I think they're kind of related in a certain sense, if you know what I mean. One day you came back hiking for more than 700 miles just to save me from the police. Will you do it again? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so after that court case, just to link that up with this question, um, we both, he talked me, he schooled me through the whole court case just so I could get my passport back. And then he decided to give the entire townspeople and all the authorities the middle finger and packed up his entire very successful surgery. And that was the end of his relationship with the town called Esna. It's called Esna. And, um, and he was going back to his hometown north of Cairo, and I needed recovery. I was going across the Sinai to a small little fishing village, then small, called Nueva, near Dahab. And I was going to spend some time recovering 
that was where I was for a while before I realized the tourist police had followed me all the way across to those small fishing villages as well. Um, I found out because they pounced on me and some other travelers with some of the local Egyptian restaurateurs who took us to a bay, a little place, treasure of a place outside the town one day, and these plainclothes cops suddenly jumped down on our party hoping to find some hashish on us because that would also mean immediate imprisonment for us foreigners. Not that you smoked hashish, eh? No, never. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, no, not me. And um, and they something had just warned me, my inner tell at work that morning. They asked, can you take some alcohol bottles, you girls? And we all did. We took some some alcohol bottles in our packs and the one guy asked can I take some hashish in one of the side pockets and something just told me to say no had I said yes then there would have been immediate arrest because these guys seemingly jumped down off granite boulders from the middle of nowhere they'd followed us to this little out of the way spot this little cove and um yeah they, they'd followed me across across entire Egypt <clears throat> but they had nothing so that was okay um, to tie that in with um, the return, basically, my boyfriend had been the harassment. His harassment continued. And then by phone, while I was there, I got word that they were trying to arrest him again. And so I was going to be determined to stand up for him. And um, he asks, would I do it again? Wow, would I do such a thing in such a scenario? I guess I probably would. I wouldn't run away from it. I would run towards it, probably even if it cost me something because, yeah, nobody was to blame, but this was seen by by the authorities as being, I guess, a massive insult to the culture. Well, that's the, the long answer of the short, but we're yeah. going to have to, Hugh, we're going to have to, going forward, probably... Gun for the shorter shorter answers on questions because time is running out. So I know there's plenty of more beautiful, excellent, exciting, long stories coming. But um, Hugh, any questions uh, aiming to get shorter answers from your side? Where's Hugh? Uh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. What what uh, what actually led you to journalism, Shelley? Yeah, thanks, Adi. I didn't see your um, your answer. Um, I used to write very elaborate diaries to my family back home when I was traveling, and everybody said, how amazing, and you write so nicely. And then I came back, and I wasn't going anywhere, though I was planning a trip. I accidentally got pregnant to a wonderful child, of course, now, today, being her birthday. But um, at the time, I just after she was born, I saw an ad for a, a short journalism course, a night course. And so I took her in her carry cot. She was a few months old then. <laughs> and um, four months later, I I had my little journalism diploma. Uh, I thought I'm, I'm going to do it officially and see if I can make a living out of this. And mm. I was able to make one, yeah. Mm. Happy birthday to her today. Yes. Yeah, and her name. And how did you come across the name? You, you called your daughter because it is a special day today and it's a special name too. Yes, yes. So um, she argues with me a little bit about this, but that's nothing new. When I was traveling, I, I think in Europe, I came across some yoga centers and one of them 
had a name or a ceremony called Ananda Yajna. And I looked it up and it said healing fire. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. Part of a ceremony. Um, she says it's a sacrifice. I say it's a ceremony. <laughs> And a cleansing healing fire. And I thought, gee, if I ever have a daughter, I'd love to give her that name. Wow. And so it was. Well, while we're okay. speaking about her, um, shall we, why don't we fire away? She's yeah. got a question for you. She has two questions, yes. Yeah, the first one I think you've, you've kind of, it's about your past and, and all your experiences, which you pretty much are talking into. Um, can I go straight to the second one just for the sake of time? Because there's quite a few more. Of course. I've got a question for Shelley. I would like to know why humor is so important to her, especially in her line of work. Um, what sort of humor and why? Why is it important? Let us know. We'd love to hear. Thank you so much. Bye. Yeah, humor for me is part of being childlike. Being childlike for me is being in awe of the innocence that we are and we all were as children. And so if I don't naturally feel joy, I can sing and dance with or without cats and I can raise my frequencies because um, a woman by the name of Christy Sheldon devised a scale of frequencies of different emotions and she called it love or above. And joy, compassion, and love were all up there at the top, uh, close to 500, and down at the bottom were your negativity, depression, um, and uh, all the other lower frequency emotions that she called it. So to me, joy is getting as close to God's attributes that I can get, but we all know we can't force mm. these things. If you don't feel joy, you just don't feel joy. So getting into play, when I can uh, borrow the neighbor's eight-year-old child. <laughs> Getting into play takes me there very quickly to that joyous space. Yeah. You got any uh, other questions there, Joe, before we um, Shelley to go into uh, a quite important phase of her life and, and when she discovered uh, something rather special, I think, in journalism, which is a nice story, so... Yes, we've got um, a very long-standing friend of yours, um, Shelley, called Rihanna van Rensburg. Um, maybe I'll just I'll ask a question on behalf of her because the, the audio is not that good and half of us Afrikaans, so it's going to be difficult okay. and we've got time. So she's, just, she's basically um, just commending you as well as a friend and saying that uh, through times of toughness, you, you really find uh, a very special place that you, that you engage in in order to overcome you know, life's challenges and, and toughnesses. And she says you're a very ethical person. And she asked the question, um, what, what makes a good, uh, a, a good presenter? <laughs> yeah, you know, it depends who you're working for, right? If you are working as a prestitute, and I was also, I call it a prestitute because... In the mainstream yeah. media, you literally are selling your soul in order to keep your job. So you play by the rules. And, of course, that doesn't only apply to the media, but we're talking about the media now, So, um, which is why I was stopped from working for the media um, a few years ago. But point being that um, the pr if you – for me – Everybody brings their own uniqueness to the world. For me, being a good presenter is one 
who knows the questions people want, people listening, want answered, is also one who can bring their own stories, their own vulnerabilities to the discussion, whatever the discussion might be, not only vulnerabilities, your own um, personal element, which of course in uh, mainstream journalism is not considered journalism because they claim that every piece you write or talk about should be unbiased, unprejudiced. But of course, we are all human before we are prostitutes or anything else, right? Mm. So for me, those are some, some really important. And also to be able to bring humor into it, because I often write when I write my lifestyle pieces with humor, because that's really important. People relate to humor, and it kind of thaws them out. And also, people remember an issue or a subject brought forward with humor much more than they do when it's not present. That's excellent. That's excellent. Listen, we've got two more questions. Um, and then maybe you can press on to the, to the story. Uh, the one is from Kath. Here's Kath's question. My question for you is, tell me what it is you plan to do with your one wild and precious life. One wild and precious life. Loads of love to you. Bye-bye. Sure. Um, I have a vision. Um, if that vision, which, yes, does involve global media, a new kind of global media, global media that is there to serve people, to help people as a guide and not to harm people. If that vision is aligned with my, what I call my God spark within, if it's aligned, then it will unfold naturally and I'll find the people and the opportunities to go forward with that because God knows we need not only a massive change of every industry, but um, especially the media, which molds opinions and up to date has molded them in complete directions that are just so far away from our own true core selves. And of course, that has been by design as well. So yeah, that's part of, of my, my future vision. Yeah, you that's are a frontline of- warrior in that sense, Shelley, that's for sure. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, the last... She's going to be an author one day as well, Joe. She's got some good material there. Absolutely. Rich material. Rich, rich. And the last question is this one from Maureen. Question for you, Shelley, is uh, what dreams did you have when you were younger and have you achieved some of those dreams? And, um, you know, what dreams would you like to achieve ahead now in the future? Um, yes. <clears throat> I have achieved the travel dream, except once a traveler, always a traveler. And that is, if I have an addiction, that is definitely it. So 43 countries is nothing compared to what exists out there. And I've been longing to get to Morocco and other Arabic countries for many years. But yep, when the bank balance allows, if it does... Uh, More traveling, yes, I would like to. I never did get to completing my book between then and now, um, at the end of my travels, that is, and now, but um, since there's been another couple of books or ideas, so I guess it might turn into a trilogy. Yes, I have started, but I'm nowhere near the middle yet. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, I just would like 
very simply, the dream, because the dream has just been growing bigger on the spiritual level, because that's what I and we all are before we, that's what we are, humans, spirits having human experience. So the spirit aspect has grown bigger. And when I am completely standing in my own sovereignty and my oneness with that divinity within, then all the rest of the dreams will will flow from me. I'm pretty sure of that. When that happens, well, God alone knows. Brilliant. Mm. Hugh? Yeah, I mean, I've, I know we're running out of time here and, and there's so much to talk about. Um, um, I was particularly interested in, in a couple of things from Shelley and one was um, sexual experiences without being too personal as she discovered a, 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 a partners in journalism and she discovered herself, a new self in journalism. And, and also the, the balance between knowing and, and Shelley knows and as a huge investigative um, journalist, she knows what, what we're going through at the moment and she sees the dark side of what we're going through and where's the light at the tunnel? What, how can you reassure people that there is a, a light at the end of this tunnel because it's going to go deep and how do you, how do you, what do you say to people at the moment with the C word knocking around and how do you uplift people to, mm. to give them so um, very succinctly let me say it like this so for me I make a point of feeling out where people are coming from and then I'm able to share without expending wasted energy um, on speaking about things that I know people won't be able to hear on the one hand, and on, so therefore it's not really for me or for anybody else to convince anyone of their own belief systems about what is about to happen on earth. What I know for myself is that there's a whole plan by the emissaries of light, God's messengers, behind the dark wall that most people aren't even aware of still. Um, though this year has been a dramatic wake-up call for many, and that there's a whole other plan, and that plan has very recently involved taking out the off-planet factions that have been controlling the so-called global controllers on this planet who have basically been left abandoned um, like rats on a sinking ship and so that's a very recent development that i i can share with you but whether it makes any sense or not i don't know all this is allowing for the plan of light to emerge for the majority of people to see and some of what they see of what's going to be revealed is going to be shocking to the point of many people wanting to leave this planet and um, I think we are going to have a very um, miniature, a minuscule population comparison with what we have now very soon. And everybody will go off to their various destinations. But there are no ends to anything because life is eternal. And, and, your, uh, yeah. and, your, book, and your book, Shelley? What about your book? Book? Yeah. In the pipeline. In the pipeline. Hmm. Yeah, that'll be on the inner and outer journeys. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think probably we've got one of your songs to, to conclude on, Joe. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, interesting journey, that's for sure. Um, fascinating, Shelley. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, it'll be Shelley part two, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And I think this much, last, the, last, the last choice of song is maybe a, a very good one and also very appropriate to, she to, to Shelley. Uh, she's a fiery girl. And this one is by my jersey, one of her choices, personal choices, called Fire. <laughs> Are you interested to broadcast your jingle on Kana Sound Radio? 
We're currently running a promotion to all social enterprise businesses out there to promote their supporting commercial activities. We intend to extend this to ethical companies in the future for radio income. So, please get in touch with me at joe at kindasound.org. That's joe, J-O, at kindasound.org for further details. Kind of Sound Radio, the station for a global community.